Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you as always is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Tonight's virtual guest, I met a long, long time ago. Sadly, I met him at a funeral um, of somebody that was very special to me. Her name was Mary Homan. She was like a mentor for me when I was uh, coming up as a young educator. And she was the mother of my friend Topher. And she had a very special, unique quality to her that not many humans possess. And that was the the gift of listening. She could listen to you really well. And then she could tell you like the best piece of advice. And I was very sad when she passed away and I attended her funeral. And um, at this funeral was the first time that I had gotten a glimpse of um, one of the friends she had met at the school she worked at, the Plymouth Meeting Friends School. And um, my first impression of him, he, you know, he was probably like my age at that point, like around that. No, I mean, he was probably in his young, late 20s, I guess, uh, early 30s. But he was behind the table, and um, he was behind the table with a bunch of CDs. And when I looked down at the table, I, I had noticed that he had made a CD mix tape or mix CD, whatever you want to call it. Mixtape, I still call it. But he made this tape for Mary, and it had all of her favorite tracks. And he was giving it out to people, you know, and chat with them. And I remember thinking to myself at that time, like, wow, what a nice guy, you know? And then probably about like 10, maybe, I don't know. I'm so bad at math and that's where he comes in. But I mean, like 10 years later, I attended um, a workshop with my friend Didri Drew at the school that he taught at. And, um, you know, we, we, we gotten along fabulously. We had many things in common and, um, you know, we just struck up a conversation. I was like, wow, you know that I remember him from that funeral and he's, he's got that vibe. And then, you know, it just happened to be one day I was sitting at my computer and I opened up um, this website to see if anybody was hiring for a teaching position and they were, and it was for this guest's assistant. So I was like, wait a minute. So I could work with him and feed off of his energy at the same time. And we did. And the three years I worked with him were probably, you know what, I'm going to go out there and say it was the best educational experience I had because not only did we teach the kids, but we also, encourage them to find their voice on stage and find their their voice not only you know in the entertainment sense but like to go out into the world and they did that by learning circus skills and will unleashed me like a lion and said bobby you're gonna go out there and you're gonna you can write whatever you want you can you can have the kids on a rocket ship you can have superheroes you could have a whole multitude of different things scenes we can even do time travel and, I, and he was like I was like, wait a minute, you're saying that we can time travel? And he just looked at me as like, roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. But that being said, um, I mean, he's, it took like 252 episodes to get him on the show, but I'm very stoked that he's here finally. Please welcome Mr. Will Starr. Thank you, Bob. He seemed like such a nice guy till I started working with him. <laughs> he was crazy. <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of the podcast right now. <laughs> no, we had a great time, though. But that we did. We had, we had an awesome time. Um, I, I think that like my first moment of realizing this was going to be a lot different was the first year, um, our Halloween parade, when you and I combined ourselves 
together and made Bill and we, <laughs> I'll find a picture and I'll post it up on here so people can see. But I mean, basically it was very hard to walk around. We both shared a guitar and then I think we juggled two in front of people. And I remember this parade was like at eight in the morning. I was covered in sweat for the rest of the day. Didn't we share pants? We did share pants. <laughs> it was just hard to do. I mean, it's hard to walk in the same pants. I'd never done that before, but I mean, we also found like, um, do you remember the waist size that uh, those pants were? They were yeah, like, they were like 48 or they were huge. Huge. Were, yeah. And then, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we had the tennis balls in our pockets, the guitar, and I, I was strumming and you were doing like G chords. Remember? Right. <laughs> it was great. It was a lot of fun. I loved it. Yeah, it was, just, it was such a good experience because it's like, okay, so like for me, like I, you know, I graduated from Temple University and then I started working in public schools and like, you know, it was okay. You know, I mean, it definitely wasn't the Plymouth Meeting Friends School. And um, you've yeah. been there since like, I think you came out of the womb. Is that correct? I did right out of the womb to, to work. No, no, I started in, uh, nine, in the fall of 1987. Wow. And, uh, That's your first job, too, right? Like you yes, were, my first job right out. So awesome. In fact, you brought up Mary, and uh, I went to monthly meeting on a Sunday. I was home, you know, looking for jobs. But I went to meeting there one Sunday, and I was talking to uh, people after me. They said, you know, maybe you ought to just apply. and. I tried to be kind of mellow about it and not say, well, that's why I'm here. <laughs> but uh, I ended up getting some good, uh, good vibe from them. And I'm walking out to my car and Mary follows me. You may not even know the story. Mary follows me and I'm, I'm in the middle of the parking lot. And she said, oh, you need to come back tomorrow and I'll get you an interview and you'll love this school and done. And the next day I had an interview and, uh, I think it was by that night I had the job. It was, it was great. And that was 30, 33 years ago. So I think that's so awesome. You know, I mean, like, I wish that I only had one job. I've had so many jobs. I think I might have had 33 jobs <laughs> for 33 years. But um, yeah, there's something, I mean, for the people who are listening and watching, watching the show that don't know about the Plymouth Meeting Friends School, um, what can you tell the listeners about its uh, historical properties? So um, Plymouth has been around since the officially it's been around since 1780, but it um, actually began as an institution of learning in the early 1700s where the members of the meeting were teaching their own kids in the meeting house. And, um, you know, it's a small Quaker school and we really work with little kids. We only go up through sixth grade. And so for us, we really focus on the little guys as opposed to really trying to expand and do a middle and an upper. Um, it's a spectacular school. And everybody that, you know, if anyone's listening to this that knows the school, they know there's something special about it. You know, it's a tough time for everybody now, so it'll be interesting how things go moving forward. But uh, we have an amazing head right now, and I have full trust in her. So uh, we got to get through these tough weeks. But, uh, you know, Things are sort of continuing on as we as we've always been, and that feels good. Yeah, and the the Plymouth Meeting Friends School is a it's a Quaker school. So I mean, when I came into, I mean, I knew what Quakerism was because of Mary and Toph, and like you know they had told me about its principles. But I, I mean, I didn't really know anything until I start working there. And like when Will says meeting, like I struggled for a long time trying to find some sort of place of uh, 
worship, I guess, you know, like I was an altar boy, you know, and it sucked. I'm just going to be honest with you. It sucked. I mean, I remember one time you're supposed to like bring the water up to the priest and wash away his iniquities before he touches the host to give out to people. And I accidentally brought the white wine up and was just pouring the white wine all over his hands. And like, he just looks at me like, Robert, what are you doing? And I just always struggled with it. But then when I found the Plymouth Community Friends School and I started, you know, going to uh, the meeting house and like, you know, in a meeting you sit, you know, facing each other. So like I'm looking at you, you're looking at me. And um, for some, some people it's very, it's a strange practice because there's not much talking. So you just sit in silence until you feel the, the spirit you know, move you or something. And like everybody believes that the, the light is inside of you, right? We all possess the light of God. And I, I just thought that was cool. And there wasn't like so many rules and regulations, you know? And I was just like, wow, this is, this is chill, you know? Yeah. I think it's, um, it's the perfect form of education, but it's a lot of work. Uh, it's a lot of work for the teachers. It's a lot of work for the kids. And, uh, you know, meeting's great. Although we're now doing meeting over Zoom, which is kind of interesting and weird all at the same time. So we have all, you know, about 100 members, close to 80 members of our community gather on any given Thursday. We do our little Zoom meeting and, and it's good. You know, we all kind of wish we were in the same room together, but uh, it is what it is. So, yeah, it is what it is. I mean... I guess we should talk about that. I mean, like, did you ever think like in a million, billion, trillion years that we would be where we are right now? You know, we keep finding ways in which the way our government has handled this whole situation. Um, and it's a tough situation. I get it. I wouldn't want to be in a, I wouldn't want to be in a place where I had to make these monumental decisions but i don't know we keep finding ways in which we are progressing as a society that just don't make sense and i think we need to figure out as a as a as a you know country what we're going to do and how we're going to move forward and i don't want to get all political about it but i just it's a big thing that i think people need to take a little more seriously across the board um, at the same time, there are people who are taking it real seriously and working real hard to try to make it, um, you know, something that history books write about, not something that we're in the middle of. So we'll see, but we've got some time, you know, we, I don't think this is going away anytime soon. And, um, that's a tough one for, well, for little schools like us, for everybody. It's that need to get out, right? It's the need to see people, need to touch people, not on, you know, Zoom. <laughs> it's you know when human interaction is taken away from you you kind of realize how much it meant to you but i mean i yeah. think that where we were for the last 20 years as a society we were edging closer towards you know spending all of our time at home on netflix on facebook on instagram on tiktok like you know what i mean like we we had all these things that were taking us away from people you know and like people weren't you know um as i mean i remember in the 90s Man, dude, that's all you had was just socialization, you know? It's, right. It's all you did. You hung out. All you did was hang out, man. Even if, like, you know, there was nothing to do, you would always call your friends and be like, well, what are you up to? I'm just coming over, you know? And, like, right. that doesn't happen now. Yeah. And, um, I mean, like, as far as, like, you know, politics go, I mean, yeah, it's very hard not to talk about politics when it comes to 
you know, the, the plight of humanity, you know what I mean? Like, it's not just the United States of America. And I think that's very difficult for some people here in our country to understand. It's the whole world, you know? It's true. It's true. And I feel like um, a lot of times like people kind of put themselves first, you know, they, they don't think about other countries and like what other countries are going through. And that was one of the most frustrating things for me in the beginning was that a lot of people were just saying, well, Italy and China, that would never happen here. You know? And I was just like, well, what's so different about us from them? They don't breathe the same air. Well, I think it's one of those things that, you know, we were as a country, we were founded on doing our own thing and being independent and not being involved in what's going on in a lot of parts of Europe and definitely parts of Asia. So you hear about something like this. I, I mean, a lot of us thought the same thing. You know, there are a lot of things like swine flu, which was huge in other parts of the world. And here, yeah, not really. But suddenly, this is a big deal. This is a real big deal. Um, and uh, I think there are a lot of good things, though, that will ultimately come of it. You know, the social interactions, the way people are getting out, people getting exercise. Um, you know, we were just walking in a local park, and there were hundreds of people there. I think once this social, uh, social distancing clears, there'll be less people. But I think that people won't want to go back. People won't want to kind of go back to their isolating screens as much as they were before this. And that's a good thing, ultimately. Yeah, so I mean, like one of the things that uh, we shared in common was our love of music and you've attended many, many live concerts, you know, and that's something that obviously now is, you know, you know hopefully not a thing of the past. But I mean, that is just a, it's, it's a difficult thing to think that there won't be live music this yeah. summer, you know? No, they canceled the folk festival. I know. And that's the first time in what, 85 years or something like that? Well, first, I think it's 57 years old. So first time. Yeah, that's tough. And they're, they're doing it virtual, you know, virtual fest. Hey, you know, yeah. I was supposed to go see Guns N' Roses at a Citizens Bank Park. This summer. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they've announced that it's like not happening yet, but I mean like No, it's not gonna happen. I was considering that. I saw them about a year and a half ago. I never saw them. They they were great. <laughs> they were great. So but uh one of yeah, the things no. that you know was was very interesting for me is like, you know, my first year you were like, you know, uh BOB, we teach a class here called musicology. You wanna tell mm -hmm. the listeners what uh that's all about? So musicology is a uh is a look at 20th century American music. We go a little, little older and, and go all the way up to today, but it basically covers about 130 years of our uh, country's musical heritage. And um, we do a class once a week with the fourth graders. And um, we play music, we talk about it, we talk about the comparisons between, you know, connections of what's going on historically and what's going on in the music world. And uh, it's really fun, but it's hard when you're on Zoom to do it. I mean, we've been doing it the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, we've gotten up to the 90s, which is cool. It's sort of inter interesting to introduce them to music of the 90s. But uh, we do it one decade at a time. So we really look at, or we look at 19th century in one big, huge kind of conglomerate from slave hollers to the music coming up through New Orleans and the Mississippi Delta and up into Chicago. And then go one decade to the you know 1900s, the 10s, the 20s, 30s, 40s, etc. And uh, it's good. We did the 80s the other day, and we were talking about more androgynous 
looks and androgynous styles from the 80s. And we had this game where we play them. I showed pictures of different musicians from the 80s and half of them guess if they're male or female, which in today's society is a little more fluid than it was then. But then it was clearly a statement. So it was just, it's just really fun where they, you know, they look at pictures of like Def Leppard or Sure, <laughs> but uh, so it's fun. We listen to a lot of things. We show a lot of. We do a lot of filming and a lot of, uh, you know, kind of looking at what was going on at that time and what the styles were like. So it's it's great. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, they keep journals all year, and then at the end of the year, they have this document of their study, and uh, I tell them to keep it because when they're older. You know, I play these things called listening logs where I'll play a song and they've got to try to guess who the artist is and maybe what, you know, what general time frame it came from, what genre it might be, and then to give their own observations. And it's, it's fascinating, particularly to look at when they're older. Um, you know, I might play something like John Philip Sousa and they think it was the Beatles. Like at the beginning of the year, they have no idea. They just, it's all... I'm just going to throw out a name that my parents talk about. And as the year unfolds, they really get a lot of, oh, okay, I, I, I'm learning a language, right? I'm learning to be able to talk about this, these different kinds of music that I like. So it's fun. Yeah, it's pretty rocking. I mean, for me, I, I love music, you know, and I don't think you know this, but I mean, I would probably estimate that when I, okay, so my band Downtown Harvest broke up in 2010, in 2013, we got back together, and it was the 5th of April, I remember. And literally, I think that I can equate to maybe about 95% of that. The reason for the reunion was 95% influenced by you. I was just like, you know what? Like, Will's right. Like, music is so important. I need to get these guys back together. And I remember, like, I took a picture of, like, our first band practice together, and, like, you wrote in the comments, like, on Facebook, you look so happy, you know, and like I was yeah, yeah, a long time ago, you know, but like, I remember thinking like to myself, like, wow, like not only does Will look at music and listen to music, but he understands it on a much more um, subterranean level than most because music is just so important, you know, and it's like, it's, I mean, I love listening to music in my car, like, you know, like even like I, I, st I like I have a hard time hearing, but I still like loud music in my car, you oh, know, yeah. Yeah, for sure you know uh, my the piece though that you hold that i've never quite held is you play and i sort of play but i'm a bit of a hack you know and uh that's a piece of this whole spectrum that i wish but it is what it is you know you can only do so, so much like, the thing is though is like you can play because i've seen you play but i mean like one of the things that um and you know this because of you know your love of music and like following bands around and stuff like that is like a band is only as good as their fans, you know, as their mm -hmm. audience, you know, like if you're playing to people who are just sitting there like, yeah, whatever, you know what I mean? Like they, it's like sure. a beat, you know? And like, I was talking to my wife about um, a week ago that now, like, you know, I was about to, that this COVID thing took away, I was going to get the band back together again and we were going to do a show at Armour Music Hall. Yeah. And that's just, you know, up in the air at this point. I don't even know if like, you know, we'll ever get around to it because it's so difficult because, Tom lives in Alabama, but man, like to like not have that release or, you know what I mean? Like to not have 
making music with people in a room, if, even if you're in the band or if you're in the audience watching the band, like that type of chemistry isn't happening right now for people. Yeah. You, can't, you really can't do it over Zoom, you know? No, like, I mean, no. like a lot of people, I mean, I've done some virtual fests like on Facebook and stuff, but it's not the same. You know, it'll never be the same because it doesn't feel right, you know? But that's right. Now, music okay. um, was that, uh, that energy that you guys had that night at the Grape Room. Yep. That's cool. Like that's, you know, that's real stuff. You, you can't, you can't just immediately duplicate that. You definitely can't duplicate it online, but it's like good teaching. It's the same thing. You gotta, you gotta work it really hard to even make it reasonably good. If you're going to be keeping their attention and making it exciting and engaging them because this interaction, I mean, it's cool, but it's, it's not what you, it's not what you work toward. You know, it's, it's, no. It's fine for now, and we'll all, you know, we'll, we'll do it, and we'll we'll be fine, and in the end, we'll be back in the classroom. But it's it's uh, neither are quite, you know, reaching the soul that we all know about that that you know, good music reaches. Now you were saying something earlier that's a good transition too, because like not only did or you know do you teach musicology at the Plymouth Meeting Friends School, but you also implement a program, which is. You know, it, it's almost, in my opinion, it's become the school staple. You know, I could say that because I don't work there no more. But I mean, like, I really think that, like, everyone looked forward to it. All the kids would look forward to it. It happens in fourth grade. I remember um, kids saying, like, why can't I be 10 so I can be in the circus this year? And I'm like, you're going to grow up. You're going to get there. When did, I, I know the answer to this, but I want the viewers to, you know, get a little brief synopsis history into the Plymouth Meeting Friends School Circus that you started. So I, um, I used to work with this woman, Lorraine Council, and a uh, fabulous teacher, a real good person, good soul. And um, I had this idea one night that uh, I'd write a math book. <clears throat> and so the idea came about because most of the math curriculum that was available for kids at that point was terrible. And what a lot of us were doing was building our own curriculums through photocopying of other people's work which you know i guess in, is illegal sort of but um yeah. you know it, it is what it, it's what we needed to do to come up with the best program that we could come up with <clears throat> i began to feel like you know i could just take some of these ideas and write my own book and um began working on it for a number of weeks and then realized that if I'm going to write about the circus, we really need to have a circus. So <clears throat> one day I went to the head of the school and I asked her, I said, Hey, I, I have this idea. I know it sounds a little crazy and it's sort of funny that it sounds crazy because now it's such a integral part of our school that the idea that people would say, well, what do you mean you're going to do a circus? Like you can't do that. But, um, she was game. She said, as long as nobody gets hurt and the school doesn't have to pay anything, I'm in. <laughs> and um, we started practicing. And uh, that was 2003. That, yeah, that was the fall of 2003. And um, so our first circus was, was the spring of 2004. And it was real simple. We had some acrobats and we had some unicyclists and um you know we hadn't grown into what it is now but it it had the basics of of really i think something special and then that 
show, a good friend of mine, Marty Freed, whose uh, two daughters I taught, came up to me after the show and said, I need you to understand something. He said, you could stop this now. You know, this could be it. And people would remember it as this great thing, and you did it, and it was fun, and the kids loved it. But he said, as soon as you do it again, you're in. You're basically in until you retire, because it'll get progressively bigger and better. So I want you to think seriously, because it'll take over in a good way what you do. And I remember I said to him, no, nothing will ever be, you know, bigger than our trip to Washington, D.C. <laughs> and he goes, mark my words. And uh, so we're now 17 years later. And uh, yeah, it's, it's grown into something pretty special. And, um, you know, we, this year was tough because we had our, we had our two evening shows canceled. So we had basically two dress rehearsal shows. So basically for the, for the viewers and listeners out there. Yeah. So your circus fell on Friday the 13th and the governor, yeah. you know, made the announcement Thursday. Yep. So, I mean, you were doing the in-house circus on Thursday, right before Governor Wolf made the announcement around 2.20 p.m., right? Yep. Yep. So the head of school had the wherewithal on Tuesday to say, we're shutting down. We can't have the evening shows. And the kids... So, so new then, too, you know? And it was such, such, like, you know... Right. And there were parents who met me after faculty meeting Tuesday afternoon just in tears. Yeah. And, you know, I get it. I, I, I felt their pain. But the head of the, you know, Brenda, she's got it together. And, and she was sharing that we cannot stay open. Yeah, I think she I stayed open an extra day, quite frankly, to have us have our Thursday show at all. But we had our Thursday show in the morning. And then um, uh, by either by noon or by the end of the day, somewhere in there, we shut down. And that was it. Yeah. So, I mean, at least the kids had that, you know, experience. Yeah. I mean, it really is a shame that they couldn't do the Friday and Saturday night show. I mean, because it's really special. I mean, I think my first year was the the One World Circus. And you were like, I got this song by uh, Sting. It's, does that song Police. right? Please, right? Please, yeah, so, yeah. Um, and I was just like, okay, cool. So, like, what are we going to do for the stage? You're like, oh, we're going to build a plane, man. We're going to have these silos to, like, pull the plane around. I'm like, how's this going to happen? But it did happen, and I remember like, like telling you how much I loved Led Zeppelin, and like in like uh, in hindsight, like as the show started to um, come into, you know, into a bird's eye view of what we were gonna do, you were like, "What if we end the show with the kids coming out the plane listening to Zeppelin?" I was like, "Dude, like really? We're gonna do that?" Yeah, we're gonna do that. I got excited, you know, because I'm a, uh, you know, I I was in bands. I also wrote screenplays and stuff like that. So I mean, like. We wrote one scene where we had Superman save the kids on the yeah. plane. Like I taught the kids how to like act like they were in turbulence. Yeah. And um, that was my first experience like doing it. And like, I was pretty hooked after, I mean, I remember like the Saturday night show, like after it was all over, I was like, wow, man, that, like, that's such an adrenaline rush. It's like playing like music, you know, but like on a much more grander scale. But then the cool thing was, you know, to, um, you know, some of the kids that, you know, we had, in 2013, I think I was with you. I always was bad at math. Oh, that sounds right. But I always, um, I've maintained contact with lots of them, you know, yeah. they still hit me up on Instagram and stuff like that. And like, now they're like all teenagers. And I mean, like the one, one story that it, it just warms my heart is that, um, 
You remember Peyton? Oh yeah, of course. So Peyton, right? Like he he had this magic trick on stage that he wanted to do. Remember? And like he was that was Sarah. So, so adamant about it, and he was just like, I, I can do it, I can do it, and I, and like he did it, and he nailed it. And I remember in the beginning of the year, he was unsure if he was going to do it, but then he slowly and surely progressed into yeah. you know modern age David Copperfield. And now today, I see all sorts of photographs and videos. He joined a drama play. He's a good-looking dude. Like, he's going to be a great actor. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, his parents uh, attribute a lot of that towards the Plymouth Meeting Friends School Circus, you know. Yeah, he's a good kid. He finally returned his unicycle to me, like, a year ago or something like that. He had it for so which is fine, because I don't know. Did you even know you were missing one? No, of course not. No, because we've got probably 20 unicycles. And if somebody has one, yeah, you know, we get them back eventually. That's fine. Yeah, so, I mean, like, we, we had um, a good time. We went on. We did an, another, like, the second year, I was like, how are we going to top the One World Circus? And, like, I remember just saying, you know, like, we're going to have to bring in some cosmic characters, man, or something like that. So then, like, we did this thing where I became uh, – uh, Captain Starhill and you became Wob and the kids wow. had to learn to um, like I think that like we were talking a lot about individuality we're also talking about like being comfortable with who you are and I think that Wob and Starhill slowly start to appreciate themselves for who they were and the kids yeah. did too as well and that was just wonderful you know and I that got, was cool I did where did that where did that costume go I still was have that, the was that yours yeah I saw it's uh I don't know if it's in this room or in the attic, but I have it. And sometimes I put it on and sometimes I put it on. It may not even be Halloween, you know, but I just put it on, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I did a song with uh, our student Carly on stage. And I remember. Yep. Who had recently broken her arm. Yes. She had broken her arm. So we needed something for her to do. I forgot about that. That's right. We, um, we wrote a song like, you know, just, I, I think we wrote the song in the meeting house and we we're just like, we're, we're going to do it, you know? And like, we did it and uh, it was an amazing night. Um, I still remember those large photographs of what we had, like, you know, all of our students, I think we had 19 in that class maybe. And each student had like this like huge, like banner, like a movie poster. Wasn't that, um, yep. it was it John, was, right? John, yeah, yeah. just amazing photographs. And like, you know, it, it was in a cafe, or excuse me, in a gymnasium, but the gymnasium didn't feel like a gymnasium that night. You know, it felt like a movie set or something like yeah. that. And then and, we did Heroes Arise. Yeah, Heroes Arise was a great time, man. It was, um, it was fun. And then, like, you know, like, after that, I was just like, well, how could we possibly, um, you know, do that better? And, like, you were saying before, like, how, you know, the evolution of it is going to get bigger and better. I remember it was actually, and if he watches this, I'm sure he'll, he'll be very happy to get this type of uh, accolade. But it was our student, Miguel who was in third grade and I was subbing for, um, for them. And I was in that room and he said, you know, it'd be really cool for our class. And I was like, what? And he's like, if we went to the fourth dimension, since we're in fourth grade. And I was like, what dude? And then like, from that, we basically took the kids into the fourth dimension because you and I couldn't figure out how to use a time machine. And then we had, Einstein come help us. Right. Cosmic Mike. Played by Mike. Mike did a fantastic job. He was fabulous. He was so good, man. He was so he, good. I think Friday night, right? When he came out of the tunnel and like we were playing the Kubrick music, dum, 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 you know, like the 2001 Space Odyssey music, and he just 
nailed like you know the arms that got to the side i was like this is the oh best my god it was I got, so, I got it was so much fun but so much fun so much fun and like you know those kids will always remember that you know and like i mean like i was i wasn't yet a dad so i mean technically i was still a kid too you know what i mean like so i really appreciate those times and um you know we, we always had such a good time in that in that gymnasium you know i think though you know what we always try to do is to have the kids shine in whatever capacity they're able to. And so each of your three circuses, all of the circuses have been different. And, and you know, there, you can pinpoint there are elements of this circus where the aerials were better than this circus or aerial or, you know, elements where the communication, the interaction between the kids, um, the stage stuff, how the stage looked some are stronger than others but they're all good like they all come across as that had to be done by that class you know the heroes will rise kids they weren't the same as the one world kids they just weren't there's a different beast there and it made sense i always feel like it makes sense every year to do what we do yeah it's a good um, thing for kids to do that too because you know what a lot of them they don't really you know get that experience like unless they take public speaking or you know what I mean like in the public school it's like if you're not in drama or if you're not public speaking you're not up on stage performing for people it just doesn't happen right. Right. choir or a band or something like that but I mean to put people's you know even too in, in your adult life um, a lot of people aren't comfortable doing things that are new you know yeah, like, um, they just you know they get you know, scared or, you know, they get hot flashes and like, Oh, I can't do that. You know, I have a panic attack. But I mean, like, I always thought that the, the school did a, a wonderful job of bringing people, you know, out like to, to show, show them how special each and every one can be, you know, and it's not just like one person, it's everyone, you know? And I think that was cool. That's right. Well, there's a, the sixth grade does a musical. So after the circus, the next step, if you will, and the stepping stone is that they do this performance that is, you know, I think pretty amazing as well. And there are elements of that, that that show a progression for sure. Um, you know, so I think that it does a nice job, but it gets them comfortable on the stage. It gets them confident. For me, I love the, the, the sort of the circus element of it. Like the musical's great. I'm not a musical person. So I wouldn't want to work in that capacity because I like danger. Like I like teaching them to do stuff that's kind of cool and kind of scary. Um, what do you, you think? Know, was, like of all the circus acts, what do you think the most scariest one is the, um, the unicycle, the real tall one? So we used the unicycle this year that had three wheels. Oh, wow. So seat, wheel, 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 floor. What? And it's not, it, it, it's really impressive looking. It's a little harder to ride than the giraffe. So the giraffe that, that you, you yeah. I was referring to is the seat six feet. So it's good height. I remember the bridge of death. So the bridge of death was the kid. We brought it back. You brought it back. First time. So the kids would go across this, like, you know, bridge, like this, like ramp. And we call it the bridge of death, right? And like on their unicycles. And if you've never been on a unicycle before, it's, you know, kind of scary. But um, I remember for the three years that I was with you, each year, without fail, you would always say, we need to figure a way to light this puppy on fire, Bob. <laughs> I'm like, dude, like, I don't know how we're going to like 
like this place on flames, you know, but we kind of yeah, the, 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 right? the bridge of death's a great example. Cause you know, we used that a couple times and then we let it kind of go away for a number of years. And then we brought it back at one point when you were there and then it hasn't come back since. And it came back this year. That's um, and they did a good job and we had them going over the big, the bridge of death on the tall one again. Um, you know, what, you know what would be good? Like, and I just had this idea like right they, now. So say for instance, you know, God willing, everything goes back to normal and the kids are back in school. Say they're back in school 2021, right? It's the same kids. Well, you're gonna have a new fourth grade class, but this year's fourth grade class would be in fifth grade. How could you incorporate them? You know what I mean? Like, almost like you know they're not in the circus but they're the ones who are like passing the torch off you know what i mean like right so what we've done the last couple of years is we've had the fifth grade come for practices at the beginning mm -hmm. um and uh and they help the, the fourth graders learn new things and then we also do an open house on a saturday where a lot of parents come and we do it in the fall and the fourth graders don't have their skills yet so we have the fifth grade come in and spend a couple hours one morning in October, I think it is. And they're good, right? They're a little rusty, but they're good. So the parents come in and they see this enthusiasm and it's great. It's, it's a nice addition. So we keep them involved. You know, if, if school with this whole scenario loses students, which it can't help but, it'll be interesting how the grades shuffle about. Um, and it might be that fifth and fourth are doing some more things together, right, in the future. And that would be cool. Um, well, I mean, the future is uncertain, you know, but hopefully, you know, you'll still be doing the circus in the future. Um, and hopefully your downtown harvest show will be rescheduled. I was psyched about that. It was I, man. Yeah. I mean, we were practicing digitally. We were doing our thing and, you know, we came up with like the set and, you know, we we're ready to go. You know, that, I was, that is, I was, that is my home away from home. Yeah, and you know, I was so I was stoked, and we had Dom McCluskey opening for us. So it was going to be great, but I mean, we'll see. You know, I mean, when the time's right, I don't want to do a reunion in the middle of a pandemic. It just doesn't. Right. And I know a lot of people right now are itching about to get out. You know, and like you know, I, I saw a thing this morning where, you know, everybody in Texas they all went out, and now there's thousands of people sick again. So I mean, like, just do your part. You know, stay home, wear a mask, practice social distancing. You know, and you know somehow some way we will get through this i know it but um you know like when speaking about endurance you know like you've been inside your house for two months right it's a it's a it's a testament for some people to to be inside that long for some people an endurance challenge involves running now i know running is something that you love so well and i want to mention it here on the show um we can take a look at all those medals behind you but <laughs> when did you start uh like, I know you were running away from the cops, like, you know, for a long, long time. <laughs> I, was, I was actually thinking that the Hardmore Music Hall will always remind me of Jim Hayes, and we probably can't tell that story. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, like, with running, though, I remember when I first came about, I think you were just starting. Yeah, prob that sounds about right. Like, you know, you were starting to do, like, you know, 5Ks and then moving on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's like so of all those medals up there on the wall, which one means the most to you? Um so last spring I ran Boston. And uh the Boston Marathon is is sort of uh it's kind of a big deal for people that run and that run a lot and you know you train for it. 
And I ran it in honor of my mom who had passed away. So she was from the area. She was from uh, just outside of Boston herself. So that was really special. Um, but yeah, I like to do it. I think, I think part of what for me is exciting about running and, and is relieving. It's just, you know, you spend the day with kids and I love kids, of course, but it is nice to spend time on your own. And, uh, I put in a lot of miles every week and I spent a lot of time by myself on the road. And I, I know of a, I know a number of people that just, you, you get in your head when you run. And I think that's scary for a lot of people. I, I, I think it can be like, I, I can't spend that much time in my head because some stuff comes up like, woo, baby. <laughs> um, uh, but I love it. I, 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 I run quite a bit. And I, I will say that running and, and going to see shows are tough because one's late at night and one's early in the morning. But Very difficult thing to do. What are you going to do? You, you, you got to do them both. And uh, I definitely have times in my life where I will just do so many shows over and over and over again. And then it just gets hard to get out and run. And then days where, you know, periods of time where the shows might dwindle down a little bit if I have a big race coming. And, um, so I get them both in. Yeah. Good. Um, you know, um, I guess like what, two months ago when, you know, everything closed down, like it was very hard for me to, um, like I, I was going to super fit gym in country Hawk and I was using all the cardio machines and it's hard to get cardio without a machine. So I was like, I, got, I just have to start running. And I've always had this problem with my right knee and I had something called, which you told me is a um, planner's foot, right? Yep. So I just start running through the pain, like about maybe it was about a month and a half ago. I just start running through it and just like pushing myself. And then there was nights where like, I would be like on the couch and be like, Oh my God, it's hurting so bad. And then all of a sudden, just one day, I don't know what happened. I just, it's, the pain's gone. Feels I better. Yeah. Themselves, I didn't get anything. It was just my, I got maybe a, a good pair of shoes. And like, I was able to, you know, um, you know, I mean, I run every day almost, you know, I mean, at least sometimes I, I, I push my son and run at the same time while he's in the cart, which is a lot of fun. But um, it's been good because it, you know, I didn't think that that runner's high thing really existed but it does and it does it does you don't often get it but when you get it it's nice you don't want to go home you no know, you don't want to go home you know what i mean you ever been like out there and you're just like ah well i could go make a right and then that's the way home and then it's over and you're upset no right? you go left yeah you go left i just got a spotify too and i was so against spotify for a long long time but i can't wow, check you out yeah i got it and i got your monads too i forgot you make uh, these playlists on there yeah I must yeah. have had it from years ago where I was checking things out, but I had to get it because of the digital, you know, I was against digital music, but now that I have it, I don't know what I would do without it, you know, yeah. but it's yeah. still just a CD, but it's great when you're just out on a run, you can listen to all the songs that pump you up, you know what I mean? Like, and it's a great form of cardio. And like you were saying earlier today, there's people out for the first, there's people in my neighborhood I've never seen before out walking. Yeah. Oh yeah. I see them all. I see same with me all the time. And they're trying, you know, they're trying to, to run or they're trying to walk or they're trying to get that level of cardio. You know, it's important to um, your heart, your cardiovascular health, you know, and when you're younger, you know, you don't really think of that stuff, but I'm 40 now. And it's just like, I have, I have to get cardio each day. If I don't get cardio each day, I just feel like lackluster in the evening, you know? So I did this cool thing. and I, I don't know if I had told you or not, um, 
before this, but I, uh, I had this idea of running all the streets of my town and wondering if it was possible um, to run all of the streets in a day. Wow. Like, is that doable? And how many miles of streets are there? And what would it would be like to do it and to plan it? So I ended up calling the... Like go up and down the roads, like just pop, 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 pop. Yeah, well, but as much, I mean, as much as you can avoid, obviously, backtracking. Because instead of going doop, boop, 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 because, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of backtracking because you can't, you know, you can, there aren't just, I don't, it's not a grid. Um, and there's a lot of dead ends and a lot of cul-de-sacs and things like that. But I figured it was something I could try. So I called the depart the streets department. And um, I guess it was the Delaware County Streets Department, and they said that, you know, you have these number of miles on your on your in your in our town. The problem is, is there is a lot of, of retracing of one's steps, <clears throat> and then keeping track of where you've run, and then you realize you missed a, a little block way in the northeast part of the town, and suddenly you gotta you know go back, get it again, and so last weekend. Yeah, last weekend I did it. Um, and uh, Lise, my wife Lise came out and had drop bags and brought food and some of the people I run with joined me for sections of it. And That's cool. It was really cool. It was a, it was a long day for sure, but um, uh, we got it in and, and uh, you know, I think they're actually going to put it in the paper, which is kind of cool too. Yeah, I, I remember um, very well, like, you know, you're saying like the most important um, medal up there is the Boston Marathon. I remember you showing me the Boston Marathon for the first time. And then I remember we actually went to Washington, D.C. the same week of the terrible event, the Boston bombing. And I remember just being like, should we go, Will? Like, and you were like, yeah, we have to, we have to keep going. And like, I think that kind of like makes sense now. You got to keep going. I mean, same thing when you're running, can't stop. You know what I mean? You stopped and you're, you know, you're going to get some uh, bloody nipples. I didn't even know about that stuff either too. When you told me about the bloody nipples and you showed me the photographs online, scorched in here, never goes away. <laughs> Yowza. <laughs> For those listening who don't understand what I'm saying, like if you run like long periods of time, you know, you, your shirt's rubbing up against you and your nipples can bleed. Yeah. And, um, it's a very, yeah, I've ruined a couple of just great shirts that way. Cause then by the time you get to wash them, you're going to have red marks on your shirt no matter what. So, but yeah. So, so as we wrap things up, um, I have one question for you cause I know your, um, your tastes, right? So, um, I probably know the answer to this, but I mean, since you know, you do musicology, I'd like to, um, propose a question for you say for instance you could only listen to one artist for the rest of your life who would it be a the grateful dead or b bruce springsteen so you gotta be more specific than that (laughs) (laughs) no if i if it's really only one artist like no kind of cheating here and there like you gotta stay inside forever you only got one record oh oh i listen one record yeah we can propose that if that'll help no, you no one record you can't do that that's unfair one, not even better not the artist but one record oh well that's different 
Can I make it like a like a ten CD box set? So no. that more no. let's make it let's make it just an LP. Um, my answer to what you were going to say before was I, I would be the dead over Bruce without. I know that, but I mean, but um, I don't know. One album, boy, that's tough. Hmm. That's real tough, right? Because you could make the argument that you would listen to a show. Like pick an album, you know, pick something that was a concert that where they put out a show on vinyl or CD, whatever, you know, and uh, and that way you get to relive that one experience in its entirety. But then that is pretty limiting, right? So then you could say, well, maybe I'd want to listen to something that was, uh, you know, sort of a, a collection of different things, which gives you a broader perspective of the whole band. And their history. Yeah. I mean, with, um, for me, I don't know. I mean, like, I have lots of favorite artists, but, like, the the music sometimes doesn't, um, I don't know. So, like, I mean, like, I can't listen to Nirvana because it upsets me, you know? It's like they were taken away at, like, the height, you know? So I wouldn't pick that. I mean, I guess maybe Zeppelin, but I don't know. I've been listening to a lot of 21 Pilots. It's a hard thing, right? But, I mean... Yeah. The thing about music is that it's always evolving, you know, and it's always got something new, you know, like Post Malone. Are you familiar with Post yeah, Malone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, did you ever think that people would have tattoos all over their face? Like, no, I didn't. But I mean, I think that it's interesting that music can um, evolve like that. So, I mean, one album, which one are you going to give me? One album. I would choose Grateful Dead Live at the Great American Music Hall. Eight seventeen seventy five, and that's the other thing too. That's One from the vault. Okay, so I forgot all about this, but now I remember. So, <laughs> has this like uncanny uh, memory when it comes to Grateful Dead shows. So like you can just like pull a date from your head out and then give details. Can you? Yeah, but that's that's like you know. Tell me that. Tell me the night that. Uh, tell me where Nirvana Unplugged was performed. It's okay. not a hard thing for somebody like you. You just know it. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually not in New York. It was a soundstage outside New York. And it was real cold and damp and nobody wanted really to do it. And it was just a mess. But I mean... See? That's all it is. I like reading about that stuff, though. I mean, I, I like reading about behind the scenes, like when it comes to music. And, you know, yep. I think that there should be more movies like that, man. I want to, I wanna, you know, where's the, where's the Grateful Dead movie? Where's the Bob Marley movie? Where's the, you know, where's the Beatles movie, for God's sake, you know? Wouldn't it be great if there was just a movie about the Beatles playing on the roof of Apple Music? Like, you know what I mean? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, like, there is, there's a, there's a film of it. Like, it, it exists. I've seen yeah. film of it. I have the audio of it, of course, but I've seen film of it, but it, they never made it into anything. They never made it into anything. And, like, the stuff that I have seen, it's clearly that they're lip-syncing tracks. You know, they're up there performing on the roof, but you're not hearing the live audio. I've right. never heard right the live audio it's always like you know something off the album but i mean i mean i guess like when bohemian rhapsody came out that was the first time where like people were like oh we can make these expensive biopics and people will go see them because they love music but i mean i hope that they make good. movies still you know but that was a great movie and the elton john one rocket man that was a great movie too so you know, i haven't people, seen that yet sure i watched that oh tonight. my god it was i thought it was i thought they were both fabulous and rocket man's rated r right so i have to check that out i think the yeah, you know, it's, some, it's so hard to catch up. Like, I used to watch so much stuff, man. I can't download it, you know. 
there's some rage like Elton John going on these just tantrums that I, I can see why it's are. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I, all things music is great. I mean, being a music fan and a musician, you know, I mean, it's yeah. both, it, it's such a blessing, you know, and it's great when you can be around other people who enjoy it, you know, and, um, I, for one, have always enjoyed um, our relationship together, meeting you all those years ago um, and, you know, sharing our mutual love for Mary. And then the time we worked together, you know, yeah. and we still, you know, we have to do it through Zoom, but I mean, still yeah, we'll take it. You know, chill out it and see each other and stuff, you know. It won't be through Zoom always. I hope not, man. We, we yeah. have to take our trip down to West Virginia. Yeah, we got to go to West Virginia because, I mean, that is like one of our favorite places, you know, and. Hopefully there'll be a music scene out there that we could, you know, capitalize on. The and, smells, uh, the tastes, it's just, it's, a, it's an incredible state. Yeah, just tra traveling in, in general. I mean, anytime you go down south, like, you know, it, it's really, you know, like I remember when we would go to Washington, D.C., like it would be fall or like winter up here, and then slowly it would just get a little bit more prettier the lower and lower you went, you know? You start to see all the trees change colors and stuff. Um, oh, Good memories. I, I miss Washington, D.C. too, by the way. That was always, we would go down there and we would spend three, four days with the kids. Yep. Uh, I remember they are redoing the uh, William Penn House. Oh, wow. Are and they? so we were going to be going to a new place, which it's okay. Um, oh, not quite. I mean, I love that house, right? So yeah. the new place is, it was going to be fine. Um, I'm hoping that they don't raise the rates so much at the William Penn House that we're not able to go back. Um, but they're in the middle of construction. Um, it's become a really swanky neighborhood. Yes. Um, yeah. And so as a result, they're trying to, you know, somebody else bought the house. We'll see. Anytime I think of uh, DC, the Grateful Dead, or if I hear the word circus, I always think of Will Starr and the Plymouth Meeting Friends School. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It only took, you know, what, the better part of them was a decade, 250. I remember you said to me, can't you be on for the 100th or can't you be on for like the 90th episode? And I kept dragging my feet, but I'm glad you kept pushing me because this was fun. No, because you know what? We're saying it's an endurance, you know, like it's, a, it's not a sprint. It's a endurance test, you know. It's going to be a real t difficult summer for people, you know, staying inside. It's going to be very difficult for people, the class of 2020 students that you had in the Plymouth Meeting Friends School you know, who were in that fourth grade class, but you know what? The sun will shine again. Right. Amen. So I really uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for having me, brother. Uh, my name is Bob, and this has been another episode of Bobcast. <laughs>